All right. Welcome again to church with us this morning. We are uh, in our third week of a new series called Figuring Us Out. Uh, my daughter asked me this week, are you done that series yet? Or, and I told her, just two more, and then we'll completely have ourselves figured out. It'll all be fine. Don't worry about it. That was a joke. I don't think it'll take us two weeks, but yes, it is a four-week series. That's how it's going to go. Um, as we have been doing this series, figuring us out, um, there have been some things that I have shared about how we, the church, are as a body. Last week, we had a great week where we had some people come and share why they chose to make Grand Valley Church their home church. Um, and I've also been trying to have coffee with people and just also hear these things from them. Um, and I've noticed this grief. Um, not that people will say it outright, and it's not only something that I've noticed in our church, um, other churches as well. Things are different right now. And all we have to do is look around right here and see there are less people than we are used to pre-pandemic or at different times in our church's history. All we have to do is look at our financial report that we get once a month and go, oh, okay, um, things are different than we would like them to be sometimes. Um, all many of us have to do is look at the condition of our hearts and think of some of the people who made church, church for us. The ones that we were excited to see, the ones who would check in on us, the ones who would invite us to their small groups, the ones that made Grand Valley feel like Grand Valley for many of us, whether they've moved, whether they've chosen to leave for other reasons, or there's all kinds of reasons why people have moved on, but there are less of them here. And we can feel it. And as I was thinking about this feeling that I have noticed in myself, that I have noticed in others, that I have noticed in other pastors and other people, other board members of churches, I've just noticed it in a lot of people. I thought of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah is, there's actually an entire book called Nehemiah in the Old Testament. And it is the memoirs of Nehemiah, and he tells his story of going back to Jerusalem to rebuild the city walls. And the book starts, I'm just going to start here. Um, so the book starts with this. These are the memoirs of Nehemiah. Sorry, my, this happened last time I used this mic. It keeps catching on my glasses. We'll see how long before I lose my patience with it, Colin, <laughs> and ask you to bring me another one. Okay, so these are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. In late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hananiah, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Now, 
This was not new news that the gates had been turned down, that torn down uh, and destroyed. The Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar had destroyed Jerusalem about a century earlier. He was not learning about something new, but he was learning about a continued state. Oh, things are still this way. Why are they still this way? And his heart was broken for the fact that things have not been restored. It's not about the horror of the destruction, but the way things were. And some of it was actually a feeling of shame. The feeling that things are not the way they were supposed to be. This was supposed to be God's kingdom. It was supposed to reveal God's glory. It was the land in which the people of God would have a relationship with God, where they would have his temple and they would live there with him. And it was not the way it should be. In that era, the size of a city's walls portrayed strength. It portrayed honor. It had all of this stuff that it would say in that culture. And having them torn down and destroyed for so long was a shame for the people of God. It felt like a shame for God. And this is why Nehemiah's heart broke. And do we ever feel like that? When this church began, it had many more people than even when I have ever attended. It had more people, it was more stable, it looked prettier, and a lot of the time, we think, I don't know about you, I don't know about me all the time, but sometimes we think that the way a church presents how big it is, how, how much finances it has, does it have wonderful bank accounts that it can just do whatever it wants, we view that as success. It is a way to show, oh, God's blessing is here, God is here. Is that necessarily the case? Because Jesus didn't pray for us to be polished or rich or many. He prayed that we would be united. He said this to his disciples. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who are ever, will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. He prayed unity for us. That is a sign of God in us. And I want to point out, as I have pointed out in um, other messages that I've done in this series, unity is not uniformity. It doesn't mean that we are all going to be identical, that we are all going to agree on everything, that we're going to have the same passions. It just means that we will be part of the body. 
Jesus didn't tell his disciples that people would know that they are his because of their buildings and their large congregations. He said that they would know that we are his by our love. He gave us the commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Unfortunately, I feel like as Christians, this hasn't always been our priority. I don't know if you've ever heard the saying that if you're walking around with a mug, someone bumps into you, and you spill coffee everywhere, it's because coffee was in the mug. If you spill tea everywhere, it's because tea was in the mug. And I've heard it as an example for like, how you deal with difficult situations and anger and all of that. But then I think about the pandemic. And I feel like the church as a whole, not just us, many churches, all kinds of Christians, were jostled by the pandemic. It bumped into us. It shook us up. But what came out? Was it love? Was it unity? Was it self-righteousness? Was it judgment? Was it anger? When Nehemiah heard, it wasn't that he saw, because he hadn't gone to visit yet, but he heard the condition of the church, not the church, the people of God, the land of God. When we are here, we can look around, we can talk to friends who are in different churches, and we see and hear some of the condition of the people of God. And it can break our heart. It can feel a little bit like we are in exile, or we are standing in rubble. What has happened to the way things used to be? The Israelites were able to say, we had the land. We had everything that God promised, and we messed it up. We are the people of God. And I feel a little bit like we can say the words that Nehemiah said after he grieved about the state of things. He prayed this. O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. In his context, he was thinking of the commandments of the old covenant, as we call it as Christians. And as I read this, I think of the new covenant, of the new command that Jesus said that he gave his people. Love one another. This is how people will know that you are mine, by your love. I don't know about you, but I can pray. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. I don't think we have lived up to the standard of Christ's love. Love that never fails, that is never jealous, that does not hold on to wrongs. We have not. 
Nehemiah continued to pray, we have sinned terribly but not by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Have we followed all that Jesus has taught us? No. Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. So is this how Nehemiah felt? Like they hadn't lived up to the ideal that God had for them as a community? I think yes. Now, I'm not trying to suggest that this was a punishment that God gave the, gave the church and we need to, whatever. I am just saying there was a man who felt like things had been broken, like his community, the people of God, had not kept the commandments. And now I am here as a person who is saying, I feel a little bit like things are broken. I talk to people and I feel like they are saying things are broken. And then when I look at the commands, when I look at what scripture says, I think maybe we haven't been following it the way that he would like us to. So Nehemiah felt despair, and sometimes we can feel despair about the way things are. But he also felt called to rebuild. And he said to the people, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Then I told them, about how the gracious hand of God had been on me, and about my conversation with the king, they replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. And he also told them, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall. Um, and you have no share, legal right, or historic claim in Jerusalem. He was talking to enemies there, but I wanted to focus on the fact that he said, God is the one who's going to do this. It doesn't matter who says it won't work. It doesn't matter about our own doubts. If we are feeling like we are called to rebuild, God will help us rebuild. God helped them rebuild. Nehemiah said, God will do this, and he did. And one of the things I love about the way that it happened was he listed who did what and everyone had their own section. And if you've heard in the first message in this series, I talked about how we are the body of Christ and everyone has their own roles um, and we're not all the same. And as I read through this list of Nehemiah's memoir saying, and these people did, took this section that was close to theirs and they did this and they did this and they did this and this person did this and this and this and this, it made me think of a church. And I don't know if you guys are aware, but we actually have a book that was written about the beginnings of our church. And it made me think of that, Monroe, because you said this person did this, and this person did this. And that is how Nehemiah wrote it. When they rebuilt, God gave them certain things to do, and they said this part is my responsibility. It could have been an overwhelming job, but it was like, hey, this is right outside my shop. Okay, this is right out. I'm gonna build this one. This is what God is, okay, this is what I'm gonna do. And everyone did their part. And it wasn't easy, 
They were tired. They were exhausted. They had enemies. They had injustices that were being committed against each other that they had to deal with. Nehemiah at one point had to go to people like, hey, you're charging too much interest. Let's fix this so people can start feeding their children. They had obstacles they had to overcome. But in the way that it was built, I see the way that God has designed the church. That he gives us gifts. He gives us gifts of people. He gives us gifts of passion. He gives us gifts of talents. And when they are all together, things can, when we operate that way, things can be rebuilt. Everyone does their part. In Nehemiah's story, it was something physical they were rebuilding. In our story, it's something different. This is the new covenant. In the Old Testament, it was about a land, a place. They had the story of Eden where people had been thrown out of a land where they could be in God's presence and have relationship with him. And then much of the book is about the journey to try to get back there to where they could have a land where they could be in God's presence. And now in the new covenant, we have been given the Holy Spirit. We have been given the presence of God. We have been given it in our own life and we have been given it when we meet together and see how God is moving in other people's lives. So, Nehemiah and the rest of the people that were in Jerusalem, they did finish the wall. It took 52 days. God helped them. Um, they had enemies in surrounding nations that heard about it and they had been threatening them the whole time and then when they finished, they're like, oh no. Obviously God did help them. God was there. And after that, the people met together. Everyone got together and they had Ezra come. He was another prophet. There's actually a book about him and rebuilding the temple. Um, but they had everyone get together and Ezra read the word of God, the law of Moses for them. And he read it and the people freaked out. That's not how it says it in the Bible, in case you're wondering, they don't use that word. Uh, they mourned. They realized how they had fallen short of being the people of God and they just mourned over what they had lost. But I love the way that Nehemiah responds to their grief. He basically says, stop breaking out about this, which maybe could be a little hypocritical because he already freaked about it and he already prayed about it, so maybe it was their time. But we'll say, he was like, guys, no, this is not what we're doing right now. We have rebuilt the wall. Yes, it was important to hear this, but right now is not the time for mourning. He actually told them to celebrate. Go out and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Basically, my big paraphrase is he was like, let's not grieve what happened, let's be the people of God now. This is a feast day. 
Let's do what God has called us to do. Let's remember what he has called us to do today. Let us rejoice in the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. Now, I find this, I love this phrase, but when you explore what the joy of the Lord is, it gets even deeper. So I already mentioned a little bit about the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. In the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, when we read it, the joy, any reference really of joy, is usually in reference to the presence of God. Um, Experiencing what God has for them. It is also frequently tied to a place, most frequently the land, because that is where they were going to experience the presence of God. But in the New Testament, joy is most frequently tied to the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is how we experience the presence of God in the here and now. And we are, uh, the prophet Joel speaks about the presence, uh, the Spirit of God being poured out among God's people. And that is where we are now. So he talks about the joy of the Lord being their strength. Don't freak out about what used to be, what we've messed up, what we lost. Be excited about the joy that the Lord is giving you, the strength that you have through this. And now, as we are in this season, and I feel like sometimes I get to be too much of a downer, um, I don't really think that we're in rubble, but I'm using an image that I can think can hit us. So as we're here and we're looking around and we're going, what happened to what used to be? Did we screw this up? What are we going to do next? We don't actually need to be dejected and sad because the joy of the Lord will be our strength. The presence of God with us will be our strength. And the way that he does it is it's not an individual thing like we tend to think in North America. My faith is very much a me and God thing. When I experienced the presence of God, it's because there was a song I really liked or some scripture that really hit me right here and I loved it. But we are told in scripture that we are united with God by being united with each other. We are told that the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us are to serve each other. So when we are not being sad, Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. We don't need to be sad because no matter what size we are, where two or three are gathered, the spirit of the Lord is there. It doesn't matter what our surroundings are. It doesn't matter what our past is. We can return to him. We can be his. And I'm phrasing this this way because it does fit individually as well. We do believe this. Anyone who feels like I have screwed up too much, I clearly have fallen short of the standard of what God wants. Our whole message is, if you want to be in relationship with God, if you want to be one of his people, he has made that way open. He has made a way for us to return to him. We can. So we can do this 
ourselves and we can do this together and it can be a truly beautiful thing. And Nehemiah had prayed this. He had mentioned this. I think I had already read it, so I won't read it too much, but he said, if you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live with them, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. And for them, that was the land. For us, that is the church. That is the people of God. This church was founded, founded on wanting to share that joy, relationship with God, with those who found normal church to be an obstacle. They said, we want people who are seeking God but go into a normal service and feel like the way that things are done there make it hard to find him. We want to provide a place for them where they will be able to find God, where those obstacles will not be in the way. And I think there are many people still like that today, but the things that are obstacles have changed over the years. And I think there are plenty of people whose faith or what they heard about the church or what they knew about the church, it seems like it became, or they found out it was a house of cards. And something pulled a card out and everything fell to pieces. So some of the cards could have been abuse in the church, finding out that some of these people who were supposed to be God's people actually harmed others. And when that card came out of it, everything fell to pieces. For others, it could just be that they realized that some of the messages of the church, some of them could be the way that the church has historically handled mental health, where we tell you if you just pray enough, it's going to fix it. And some of those messages have not only been not helpful, but have actually harmed people. So when they realized that, it's like one of the cards came out of the house of cards and everything fell to pieces. For others, it might be theology. Sometimes, in an effort to make Christianity simpler, people have presented a very simple theology and then said people's questions cannot be asked. And then people who were like, okay, I guess I'll take this. And then they start experiencing some questions from other people and they don't know how to answer them because what they were given were things that don't even allow these kind of questions. So what are we going to do? And that card got pulled out and everything fell to pieces. And there are so many people who aren't going to come to a service anymore because they don't even know if they could or should assemble the cards they have left back together. Now there are lots of churches in Brandon and they are all part of the body and I appreciate what each of them do. But how we started was wanting to found a church that could share this joy of relationship with God without the obstacles. And I would encourage you 
as we figure out how we are going to rebuild, where we're going to go after this, please be praying about who God wants you to be and who he wants us to be. God is going to rebuild us if we are willing to be who he calls us to be, his people. And in that, he's going to the only way I can think of it is like with me. I have certain passions and giftings. Some of you would never, ever, ever want to be up here. They say that like public speaking is like the number one fear, sometimes even over death. So some people would never want to be in front of other people, but this would be my gifting. There are some things that you guys do that I could never do. I like some of it would even be like domestic things, right? Like making someone a lovely meal and bringing it to them when someone has died, which I think is possibly one of the most amazing ministries ever, being with grieving people. And I really suck at it and I want to be better. Um... But sometimes it could just be that maybe I'm supposed to do this and other people are supposed to do that and we're supposed to figure out how to do it really well together so that all the things are covered. Um, so as we pray about what God wants us to rebuild, there's gonna be the individual say, okay God, which part of the wall is mine? What do you want me to do? For some people, it will be praying. Um, no one else is gonna see what you're doing. That's perfect, because you're going to be doing your part of the wall that you see that God is calling you to. For someone else, um, I don't know. I, I can't think of them all, because trying to tell you what it's going to be is like an elbow trying to tell an ear how to do their job. I don't know what he's going to call you to. I, just gonna, I know that he's going to call us all to be something. And I also believe that he is calling our church to be something. And I know it is on our elders' hearts to hear from you. So this is why I'm encouraging you. I want you to pray, hey God, what do you want me to do? But also pray, hey God, who do you want us to be? What is our gifting? What should we be pursuing? What should we be building? Because I gotta tell you, it is not just our church that looks around and goes, how did we get here? It is many. but God will help us rebuild. And we don't have to big, make a big massive plan, we just need to listen and know that the joy of the Lord, the presence of the Lord will be our strength. To close, I'm going to read a psalm that actually would have been written for these people who were returning to Jerusalem and going to be rebuilding things there. When the Lord brought back his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. We were filled with laughter and we sang with, for joy. And the other nations said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. I know that God is with us. I know that God has a plan for us. I have no idea what it's going to look like. Um, but I think it's exciting, as I've mentioned before. 
and I am excited to go on this journey with you guys. I'm going to say a quick prayer, and then I will dismiss. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for the fact that no matter what we do, individually or corporately, you are willing to take us back. You are willing to embrace us. You have a plan for us, and you are excited to see it come to fulfillment. Be with us as we move forward in this time. Reveal to us what you are calling us to individually and as a church. We want to be your people. And we commit this morning that we will do that together. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Have a good week.